Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a sermon by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. I remember a time in my 20s when my phone rang and my heart sank, knowing it was a long-anticipated piece of tragic news. A close friend had lost her husband. The night after the funeral, a mutual friend offered to stay over at her house with the new widow. Gazing around her empty home at the vestiges of a final lost battle to chronic illness, this new widow heaved a grateful sigh. And that night, two young women huddled beneath a large comforter, barricaded against grief, a heartbreaking but comforting echo of their sleepovers past. I didn't attend that funeral, but I'm certain of one thing. Whatever the rabbi whispered to the family as they tore their Kriya ribbons, whatever Torah she quoted from a place of love in the chapel, whatever rituals she led at the gravesite as momentarily fitting as any of those things may have been, none of them so profoundly comforted my grieving friend as the offer of overnight company during Shiva. To some degree, this underscores the wisdom that was given to me in seminary, that it's actually very hard for a rabbi or a cantor to mess up a funeral. What do people remember after they bury someone they love? The miles that were driven or flown, calls made and emails written, Bobka's baked, chairs delivered, and services organized, stories shared, and sadaka collected, and walks taken around the block, and even the occasional sleepover. We design ritual moments with great attention and tenderness, but the purpose of that construction is to create a container for the extraordinary beauty of human contribution that comes flooding in at times of vulnerability and need. The rituals are there to catch the flow of stories, of vulnerability, of tears. So we've parked the container of Yisker here on the eighth day of Pesach. We've bottled the sanctity of this tradition into a tight-knit, clergy-led service, tucked parenthetically into a pile of prayer at the very end of an exhausting week. Usually we shepherd you into it and we shuffle you out of it. You time your morning cry on Yisker days, stuffing tissues into a jacket pocket, knowing that somewhere around 11, 12 a.m., the tears will begin to come. I know this because you all email and call us asking for Yisker times before each relevant holiday. But this year, this year, this unprecedented, historic enigma of a year 
This empty sanctuary year. When is Yisker? Where is Yisker? Yisker is everywhere. Yisker is fluid. Yisker is whatever you make of it. My quest for a spiritual antidote in this time of fear and grief presses me to practice these responses, audacity and creativity and self-forgiveness. I'm writing these words with the intention of delivering them from the bima to an empty sanctuary and full hearts on the other end of a live stream. And here I am, deep in the inverted diasporic isolation of stay-at-home orders, our homes now double and triple as schools and workplaces and play spaces. What does this mean for the relocation of our prayer lives? The rabbis of the Babylonian Talmud in Masechet Megillah borrow a phrase, Mikdash Me'at, from the prophet Ezekiel. Rabbi Yitzchak says that even a synagogue or a house of study can be called a Mikdash Me'at, translated as a miniature temple. But Rabbi Elazar, he stretches the phrase even further. In diaspora, the diaspora of their times, Bavel, he called his teacher Rav's home a mikdash me'at, his home. In an exponentially democratic extension of this notion, while there is no minion here in this building for Yisker at Temple Bethon this year, there are thousands of mikdashe me'at, Spaces of sanctity, miniature temples that you have erected in your multi-purpose residences. It was bold, it was audacious that our rabbinic forebearers continued the project of Judaism rooted in commanded sacrificial offerings, as I mentioned during the Torah reading. They continued that after the destruction not once, but twice of its holiest temple. They continued it audaciously. Here in this time of COVID-19, I've felt a mild sense, maybe not so mild, of audacity in relocating much of our service infrastructure to virtual access points. And I see the continued practice of Judaism both traditionally home-based and now relocated to home front, as sweetly optimistic. The Shabbat dinners and seders and sisterhood book clubs, the Jewish learning community classes and Havdalah meetups and digital tzedakah collections to feed medical professionals on the front lines, mass, mass gatherings in person, they paused. And Judaism chugged on. It churns onwards. 
The line between blasphemy and devotion feels very thin, whether you're the first person to suggest that a Musaf service replace a Musaf sacrifice, or you're the first person to suggest we log on to a computer for Yizkor today from a home sanctuary. But because of that former person, Judaism is everywhere. And today, so is Yizkor. So now, here you are. Here we are. And how might you prepare your miniature sanctuary, a mikdash me'at, for your spiritual needs to dwell within this yisker and beyond everything else you might need from it? Think of this as an exercise in permission to build out your own space and become a ritual innovator in your own right. I'm giving you that permission. If you haven't yet, I'm telling you, you could right now bring a Yiskor candle itself into the space where you intend to pray. You could do it right now while I'm speaking. You might also bring a picture or several to recall the memories of those you've lost. Beyond Yiskor itself, I'm moved by the notion of keeping a visual reminder of Mizrach, something that marks east as the direction towards which I pray. Setting up your space can go so much deeper than this, particularly if and when you eschew the bounds of what would be held to in a typical prayer environment. Was there a fuzzy robe, maybe, that your mother wore, or a jacket that hangs in your closet and still smells of your grandfather? Why not go grab it now, even as I speak? I won't be offended. I won't even know. (laughs) And place it on your shoulders to awaken their memories through the sensory vector of smell. Or just give yourself permission to ugly cry. Far beyond the measure you would permit in a more public venue. And when we finish today, I invite you to wash your hands. With soap, of course, <laughs> but then, if you have a vessel that you sometimes use for netilat yadayim, for hand washing, go ahead and rinse your hands without a blessing, reminiscent of the ritual we do when we exit a cemetery space and re-enter the land of the living. Ask yourself, what can I do under these circumstances? Give yourself the superpower of invention. Remember that our sidurim are primarily quote, collections of quotes from the Hebrew Bible and prayers that were just so popular they wound up published and fixed in our liturgy. Fix for yourself a prayer or a prayer practice that moves you in this time of uncertainty. And if any or all of that exhausts you, If you cannot find any silver lining in the current storm of despair, that's all right, too. I offer you comfort and love and the permission to sit still in the shelter of divine presence. On that very same page of Talmud, there's a beautiful piece of rabbinic discourse about a psalm we recite on Shabbat and festival mornings, Psalm 90, I spoke about it on the first day of Pesach. 
Tefilah the Moshe Isha Elohim Adonai Maon Atahayitalanu Bedor Vador. A prayer of Moshe, a person of God. O Lord, you have been our refuge, our Maon, in every generation. This word, Maon, a refuge, is the same word we evoke in our Friday evening prayers, calling God our Maon Habrachot, the shelter of blessings. A Maon is a cave like space on the face of a cliff in which a lioness hides away her cubs from predators, keeping them tucked safely away in its cool shadows. When I think back to my dear friend, the night after she buried her husband, hiding beneath her covers and unsure of what would happen next, that, that is ma'on. That is shelter. And I think of the steady breath and the heartbeat of her friend at her side, and remember that when the ritual container is aligned just right, love flows in to fill the space. If all you do today is take a moment to sit and close your eyes and let them fill with tears as you recall the memories of those you lost, Dayenu. You don't need a Yisker candle to light the blessed space where memories flicker like magic behind your eyelids. Just breathe, and that will be enough. Like I said, my only regret in this moment is that I can't pass you a tissue. The rest is in your hands to hold, to build, to keep close to our aching hearts. May this added layer of grief soon lift from us this unwelcome fog of distance that keeps us from one another at times of sadness and also at times of joy. Know that I am with you. We are with you even when it doesn't seem to be so. Wherever you are, I invite you to orient yourself to your mikdash me'at, your miniature sanctuary space. Perhaps You want to rise at this time, and I invite you to do so. And in a moment, we're going to speak quietly with the ones we've lost. Make space in your heart for them, and they dwell with you always. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.